You are listening to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, <laughs> where to start this week? Theresa May's Brexit deal was shattered uh, in Parliament by more than 200 votes. And now I think things are gathering pace. Theresa May has reached out to opposition parties, asking them what they want to see from Brexit. But so far, there are no talks between the two parties that it would seem matter most. That, of course, being the Conservative Party and the Labour Party. Theresa May has said uh, she wants to speak to Jeremy Corbyn. But Jeremy Corbyn has said the Prime Minister must rule out no deal um, before talks can progress. Uh, And Theresa May has said that she can't do that. So we're at a bit of an impasse. So to go through the events of this week, but also... What happens next? I'm here with my podcaster in crime, Leo Barassi. Leo, welcome. Hello, Karen. So, I mean, lots to cover. So we'll get we'll get through quite a bit in this episode, I think. But but what was your top line, as it were, from this week? So it feels like for a few weeks, the political landscape has kind of been frozen in place, watching this rocket coming in from a distance. And no one's been able to move. No one's been able to do anything. We all knew it was about to land and explode and shake everything up. And we just didn't know how explosive and how bad it was going to be. And slowly, slowly, we've been watching it. It's come, it's exploded, and it's probably being a lot more destructive and shaking up than we thought it was going to be. So I think this kind of general shape of what was happening hasn't come as a big surprise, but perhaps the explodiness of it has been at the more kind of thermonuclear end. (laughs) Thermonuclear is one way of putting it. I don't know what I expected. I was thinking about this earlier. I don't know what I expected, but this week does feel slightly surprising. Um, I think it was an open secret the deal was going to fall down. I mean, that seems... Quite a, quite a while ago now, almost um, the, the vote against Theresa May's deal, but uh, the scale of that did um, surprise me a bit. And I, I think, yeah, that- I mean, I think we shouldn't lose sight of this being the biggest ever defeat for a government. I mean, you know, that's that's a, a pretty major thing to have lived through. Yeah, Theresa May's breaking all sorts of unwanted records. I think in her in her premiership, and and now it just feels like I mean, ugh, reluctant to call any deal dead, but it, it feels a long way back uh, for her deal. And and if and I think it. It's kind of finished in its current form, it seems. And um, any plan of, well, we'll tarp this, um, that's a reference to the US bailout after the financial crisis when it took a couple of goes, but it, it eventually got through Congress. Any any sense that's going to happen with Theresa May's deal seems to be uh, off the table, doesn't it? Well, maybe. So I don't think that's how Theresa May sees it. Um, I mean, I agree with a defeat this big, you would think it should be completely dead and completely off the landscape. But what is Theresa May's plan now, other than to continue to run down the clock and hope that with a little bit of renegotiation of some of the language around uh, the political declaration, maybe, then it's possible to get effectively the same deal through? I mean, I don't think it's especially likely that's going to happen, but certainly the Prime Minister does seem to think that that is her only strategy. Well, I think if we look at the um, the vote of no confidence in the government that happened, um, was it yesterday? I mean, it seems quite clear that if the DUP had voted against that, the government would have fallen. And that gives you a, a good sense of um, how anything is going to pass in re- related to Brexit, doesn't it? So the DUP kind of have to be on board or a substantial amount of the um, the opposition parties have to be on board. And I mean, I must be honest, I'm, I'm sort of struggling here a little bit when I look at the, um, the maths of it all. Um, it's hard to see what gets through 
if she reaches out to opposition parties, they're going to want to soften Brexit, but her base isn't going to like that. And we know that that's a good chunk of the Tory party in Parliament and the DUP, of course, and has ramifications for the future of her government. But, you know, I don't see what she's going to get through the DUP um, and her hardliners in the Tory party on on the backstop and all the rest of it anyway. So I'm, a bit, I'm, a bit, I'm at a bit of a loss, Leo, to work out what actually she can do here. Uh, yeah, well, look, there's no pretense that this is anything other than phenomenally difficult and uh, terrible hand for her to be holding. But uh, if we assume that anything short of a no-deal Brexit or something that's very similar to that is not going to pass the ERG, then her only option is to win a large chunk of support from SNP. Well, we assume that they're not going to vote for anything. Um or Labour MPs. And as you say, that's going to be incredibly unpopular with her party, probably would lead to a to a split. Um, but I guess, you know, the one card that she has to play is that she can argue that it's this or no deal. And I guess the the trick that she's always been hoping would eventually work for her is getting to the point of a lot of people look at this thinking, well, I don't like the deal, but I'm going to have to go along with it because otherwise it's going to be something catastrophic that we'll get the blame for. Yes, and I feel like belligerence rather than sort of um, soothsaying negotiation feels more like Theresa May's style, doesn't it? She doesn't seem like someone that's able to get people together and get them around the table and facilitate some sort of consensus. I mean, people that listen to this show, um, we are polling matters after all, will probably uh, be not be surprised to learn that public opinion is um, pretty much as divided as Parliament. Um, in Ipsos Mori's uh, recent uh, political monitor, um, it, they asked what what you know, what form of Brexit or what should happen next after the vote on the withdrawal agreement. Um, 20% said uh, Britain should leave without a deal. 20% said there should be a referendum on whether or not to leave. Um, 19% said ask the EU to reopen negotiations on a different deal 11% said call off Brexit altogether 10% said general election 10% um, said referendum on whether to accept the withdrawal agreement or not I mean the public's just as divided uh, just as divided as uh, the parliament it seems um, no direction there really um, I mean on the no deal point Leo you mentioned I mean that, that does seem to be gathering a men- momentum as something that's significant now in these discussions with Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn doesn't it? Well, yeah. Uh, so um, Corbyn's position, and it seems from what's being said that this is pretty much a unified position across the Labour Party, is that um, there are no negotiations with Theresa May unless no deal has been ruled out. Now, honestly, I'm struggling with to see this as anything other than somewhat disingenuous and a stalling tactic. And I don't know, maybe maybe you can help me and point out something I'm missing, but... My understanding is the only way that you can rule out no deal or you can not have no deal is by passing a deal, by uh, cancelling Article 50 and so uh, effectively stopping Brexit until Article 50 is re-notified, or by getting the EU to delay, which obviously doesn't end uh, no deal, it just delays it. But the only way you'd get a delay would be if there's a general election, another referendum, or maybe, maybe if there was a very, very clear mandate for a renegotiation that Parliament and the government were behind, was clearly going to pass in the UK, and the EU were willing to countenance. And even that would have to only happen for over a, a very sh- uh, quick period. But the, the thing about all of those is they're not things that the Labour Party supports other than 
a general election or their their unicorn version of Brexit. So when Corbyn is saying to Theresa May, you need to take no deal off the table, that's effectively saying, let's have a general election. I mean, it seems, I don't know, am I missing something? But this seems an incredibly disingenuous argument to be holding, uh, to be pretending that that's something that Theresa May could plausibly do before starting negotiations. Well, I think, I mean, from as a political strategy point, it seems quite effective. What it actually does for the country vis-a-vis Brexit is another is another matter entirely, right? Because Theresa May is in a very weak position uh, for all the reasons we know about her majority in Parliament, um, her backbenchers, DUP, etc. Um, so I think I think Jeremy Corbyn's kind of kind of playing on that. I mean, what can she do? She can she can say I'm ruling out no deal in principle, but then that's one of the leverage points she's got, as you've identified. So um, I, I'm not convinced Corbyn wants to negotiate with the government but then at the same time you know if you t- play devil's advocate does does Theresa May really want to negotiate with Labour um you know she doesn't seem like she's going to cave in on red lines so I mean look maybe there's lots of um di- d- uh, diplomacy shall we say going on in the background who knows between people that aren't May and Corbyn so the the Lidlingtons and Hillary Benz of this world um but yeah, it's it's a it's a really hard one to know, sort of where we go from here. In terms of public opinion, um, you well, you got a snap poll out today. Um, fifty six percent said Corbyn should take part in Brexit talks with the Prime Minister without any conditions. So public opinion thinks he should get round the table. I suppose it's worth mentioning from a public opinion perspective that he's not that popular. So, um, if a general election does come, you know, he doesn't want to damage his reputation anymore and look like the guy that's um, causing problems. Um, to the detriment of the country, it could hurt him in an election. So there's uh, pitfalls for both sides here, isn't there? Yeah, I don't really get the political advantage of being seen to be unwilling to get around the table. Um, And I certainly see from a Theresa May's perspective why it looks sensible to be negotiating with everyone. But it feels to me like for Labour, a position of, oh, there's this technical thing that the government's got to do before we'll we'll get around the table with them. It feels, I mean... I don't think that this is something that the public are paying sufficient attention to them by new shy of that they're really going to care. But I don't know, This maybe this is just one of those things that will cut through that Corbyn wouldn't negotiate and um, possibly it'll look like he's asking for something that, that's impossible. I'm not sure. I mean, it's not a massive risk, but it feels like a strategy that is maybe just something you can do for a few days and there's a bit of a stalling tactic. I mean, I guess... You know, this may be uh, maybe something that is more about Corbyn and the, the leadership rather than the sort of senior backbenchers who currently seem to be united with him. But I assume that his ultimate goal here is for Brexit to happen before any general election, because it's not a great place for him to be in, either to be fighting a general election where Labour have to define their position on Brexit or for him to potentially come in as prime minister and then to have to negotiate and deliver a Brexit. Uh, It's surely far better for him to spend a few months prevaricating, looking constructive and looking like he could negotiate something better, let the Tories deliver Brexit and then for there to be an election. I think he's probably calculating that the idea of no deal will be seen as the fault of the government because they're the ones in power. Um, And ultimately he wants an election. And I, I guess they've calculated somewhere that this is part of a way to get one, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, let's move on and play a, a bit of a game. Uh, we like games on this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to look at a second referendum and a general election, Leo, and see if we're closer, further away, or if there's been no change after this week. So first one is a second referendum. I mean, 
I'll, I'll jump in and answer that one first, and you can answer the next one first. It feels to me like a second referendum is further away this week uh, than it was uh, going into the week. Um, Labour MPs that want a second referendum or people's vote had a bit of a rally earlier this week, and it was sort of criticised in the media for being quite small. Um, not quite sure how they get a second referendum through Parliament, even with Corbyn's support, and they don't seem to have that at the moment. So I feel like a second referendum is further away, although having said that, it probably only ever was going to happen if um, a minority Labour government needs the SNP and others to to, to get a Queen's speech through um, after a general election. I mean, maybe maybe one happens then, but at the moment I feel like uh, a people's vote is slipping away from the people that want it, right? Uh, so I have two reasons for disagreeing with that. First, I think the biggest change in terms of probabilities this week has been a decline in the likelihood of Theresa May's deal. So, um, you know, let's put some arbitrary numbers on that and say that's gone from 25% to 10% or 15% or something. So everything else has to become somewhat more likely in general. Um, that doesn't obviously have to apply to a referendum, but you would think that uh, that might make it more likely. Um, but in terms of sort of the path of it happening, I feel like there is still a plausible, if unlikely, path, which is we get closer and closer to the deadline. Uh, the government's still not offering anything that is sufficiently different from the deal that's just been defeated for it to win any kind of substantial support. Um, and the option still looks like the government's deal versus no deal both of which are phenomenally unpopular in Parliament. So at that point, I mean, let's say it's a month's time or six weeks' time from now and nothing has changed, then at that point it feels to me like a referendum is... Other, a referendum and a general election are then the only two options. And given that we've advanced a month closer to that point since, since last time we spoke, then I feel like just by law of other things becoming more ruled out, we're getting closer to the point where a sort of a cross-party majority will only accept that. And Theresa May recognises that that's the only way of her deal being alive. Essentially, a referendum where she gets to set the question. So what, Remain versus her deal or something? Uh, yeah, or maybe no deal. I think the thing that's often speculated on is that she proposes legislation that is her deal versus no deal and it, and expects that it's going to get uh, amended so that it's Remain, no deal, her deal. Now, again, I don't think that's likely, but I feel like the more time that ticks by, the more potential there is for that to happen just because it could become the only way of stopping no deal other than a general election. I mean, the only thing that she seems to... The only reason I don't see that is because she seems... To, her whole raison d'etre at the moment seems to be delivering Brexit. I, I just feel like... I just I, like delivering what people voted for, etc., etc. I could see a world where she decides that Parliament's, you know, decreed that there should be a customs union, so therefore I'm going to do that. I, I find it really hard to see a world where she reopens the prospect of... Um, of Remain and uh, how many well, Tories so, are going to yeah, vote for I, that? And I, I get that, but I think that this is still the fundamental question that we've debated here before. That astonishingly, we're still no closer to, which is in a straight choice, what would Theresa May prefer: no deal or a second referendum? 
and I think it's amazing that we genuinely don't know the answer to that. And I think it's it's incredibly important at this point. And I guess that's part of her persona and, and part of her negotiating style that she leaves these things unknown. She certainly signaled that she prefers no deal, but mm. it's hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, even though she, as you say, she rightly sees herself uh, or clearly sees herself as the prime minister whose job it is to uh, deliver Brexit, would she really take that to mean that it would be better to to have a no deal than a serious risk of Brexit not happening. I mean, that seems to me to be really sort of a robotic interpretation of what Brexit is, uh, what Brexit means. Mm, we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, I, that that for me feels less likely after this week. I guess for you, uh, so you're saying more likely? Do you think? Or yeah, like, I think it is. Yeah, um, I think we're uh, still not likely, but. Uh, just with the dimin- uh, diminution of the likelihood of her deal, it feels like we're getting close, uh, l- somewhat more likely for other options. I just think Corbyn looks like he'd need to be dragged kicking and screaming towards it. But who knows? Maybe yeah, well, I agree. But uh, sorry, I know we're moving on. But but if Theresa May said that it was now her preferred option, I just don't see how Labour could not support it. Hmm. What about a general election? Um, are we closer to one? I mean, I guess we always so, are. Yeah, I mean, so leaving aside right. that we always are, because every day that goes by is a day closer to another election, right? But like, just yeah, is it more likely to be sooner than it was otherwise? Yeah, will the fixed term Parliament Act um, be used to uh, um, uh, uh, trigger an election? Um, yes, I think so. For the same reason as as before, that I think it is uh, moving closer to the point where either another referendum or a general election are the only ways of stopping No Deal. I think that it is being overrated as a possibility, though. And for me, that's really about this point that I don't see it being in Labour's interest to have one before Brexit happens. I mean, despite all the talk, um, it feels to me that really Corbyn's interest is um, waiting until Brexit happens, but very, very much talking the talk about an election and, in fact, using the talk of an election to try and stall um uh, talk of a second referendum because a uh, second referendum is very dangerous for Corbyn because it exposes the schism between him and his members and a very Brexit focused election seems to me to be the same that an election that was this close to Article 50 uh, even if it was late a few months would surely entirely be about Brexit and that feels to me to be a massive problem for Corbyn so why would he want one now why wouldn't he just want that it to happen but in a few months time so i'm I'm jumping ahead a bit in terms of our running order but let's let's as we're talking about it let's talk about it i mean i disagree slightly i think um there's a lot there's lots of reasons why it might not be a bad idea for labor to have what i take your point but it might not be a bad thing for labor to have one now i certainly if there was an election now i'd rather be labor than the tories um for the simple reason that i think the conservatives haven't to my mind, got much to say on domestic policy beyond Brexit, and it's not remotely clear that the Tory party agrees with with, it, with itself on what it wants from Brexit policy. I think that's a, a fair understatement. Um, whereas Labour, you know, has a lot to say on other things, um, policies that are superficially at least uh, popular. Um, we know what a Tory gen, um, what a Labour general election campaign looks like now. It's um, Jeremy Corbyn doing his rallies, very slick social media output, and you know pumping out those policies and trying to move the conversation on. Yeah, I, I accept that Brexit is difficult, but it's arguably more difficult for the Tory party. Um, but maybe that's a controversial statement. And then most importantly of all, if there's an election now, Theresa May has to lead the Tories into it. 
And um, we know that she's not the best campaigner in the world. Again, a bit of a Kieran Pedley understatement there. So, um, you know, it's hard to see, in my mind, how that goes well for the Tories. But I do accept that they have some um, arrows in their arsenal, as it were. You know, Jeremy Corbyn himself being one of them. He's not very popular. Um, but no, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's, um, you know, Labour would rather an election now on the basis that the government's doing badly. It's botched Brexit. Give us a chance to get it right. And here's all the other stuff we're going to do. Um, I just don't know what a Tory party campaign looks like. Yeah, so I think all of those are good points. Um, I don't think there's anything there that I disagree with, though. It feels to me that you're uh, potentially underestimating the salience of Brexit in the election campaign. I think just because last time it wasn't a very big feature in the campaign, I think doesn't mean that if there was one in in two months' time from now that it wouldn't be overwhelmingly the dominant theme. Um, I think... Uh, that your point about Theresa May being the Tory leader in the campaign, I think, is is a good one and and would be problematic. Though surely the Tories would have a manifesto that was less self destructive. Um, but what would it I say guess, on what would it say on Brexit though? Um, well, they've they've got Theresa May's deal. I mean that that would surely be thinking. But you're right. Look, I mean it would it would. I I continue to uh, I do agree with you that Labour would be in a better position in the campaign. But there are two problems. Um, that I think I think you missed. Ed. The first is what what comes next. Problem. Um, what happens now um, if the if if the Tories are defeated and Labour form the government after um, and they've still got to deliver Brexit? They have an enormous problem, um, and that's that's even assumed they're able to get through the campaign. But I think during the campaign they then have a Remain Party problem, and this I guess is potentially the big difference from last time that if there was a very brexit focused campaign and the two major parties really were explicitly committed to delivering brexit then you really would think that this time a pro-remain party would be capable of getting its act together there'll be vastly more money for it this time than there was for the lib dems last time um now Again, if it was the same leaders, if it really was Vince Cable, well, yeah, perhaps, perhaps fair enough. So may, maybe that's why now really is the time for for Labour. But um, if 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 there was a sort of continued pressure from a from a Remain flank, you would think that there would be more of a problem from whether that's Lib Dems or a new party that's that's able to sort of put its name up very quickly. I'm not sure. I mean. I guess you kind of, it kind of focuses the mind of the question. If if the question is literally an election, I'm not sure when the soonest election could happen now is, but um, you know, an election in early spring at least. There's not much time for mm. a new party to get going or whatever. But um, it does feel like a lot of pressure from a seriously well-funded party on Labour's flank would be problematic. I mean, looking at the polling this week uh, from Sky Data and YouGov, 53% told Sky Data that, that um, MPs should not vote to bring Theresa May's government down. 30, um, 38% said that they should. And then YouGov had um, 48% saying the government should uh, remain in office for now and 29% saying the government should resign and there should be a general election. So, I mean, yes, there are part of obvious partisan splits on that, um, but it does seem that the balance of opinion is against a general election um now who who was that woman uh oh god brenda wasn't it uh, not yeah. another one so maybe yeah. the pub that's where the public is at the moment yeah yeah maybe but does it matter really I, what matters yeah, exactly what's... i feel a bit so what about that it's like yeah sure the, the public aren't very excited about it but okay so maybe then there's a bit more of an anti-politician mood um but like 
how how is that going to play out um, in the ballot box? I'm really not sure that we can mm. uh, we can predict it. Incidentally, uh, I mean, as well as general election, I think one of the absolutely fascinating questions that, um, again, extremely unlikely but not entirely impossible, is if um, Article 50 is extended or delayed sufficiently that uh, the UK is still a member of the EU in t- at the time of the European elections, which are not very far away, uh, I think April or May. Uh, I think it might be the case the UK would have to still be in by the time that new parliament sits, uh, which I think is in into June, perhaps. Um, but at that point, a PR election that's entirely about Europe uh, feels like a moment when the political land- landscape could be quite seriously shaken up. I mean, obviously, UKIP have traditionally done very well in those elections. You'd think that there would be uh, a real space for uh, an anti-EU party and presumably a lot of space for a pro-EU party to to emerge and get lots of funding at that point and, and lots of media profile. I think, um, you know, that's probably another reason why, despite his, uh, his claims, uh, actually an extension of Article 50 would be very much not in Jeremy Corbyn, Corbyn's interest if it um, created space That's a good for a point pro, because a I think pro-EU party. A lot of people would be looking at what Nigel Farage would do in that situation, but you're right. I mean, if there's ever going to be a pro-Europe centrist, uh, in inverted commas, party. I mean that uh, you know, the hy- a hypothetical um, European election would be a good time to have it. But I suppose surely um, May and the European Union would negotiate something where um, the UK didn't take part. But I mean, well, I, I, think, I, I don't think that would be possible if the UK was still a member um, come the time that Parliament sits, which I think is something like June. I think they might try, <clears> but I think the legal challenge would, as uh, from from sort of what I what I've seen about this, that uh, it would be very likely to succeed, and the UK, as a member of the European U- Union, when the European Parliament was sitting, would be in, entitled to have MEPs. So, to, so to bring this uh, segment to a close, you, I mean, you said more likely. Uh, we, we're getting closer to an election, essentially, um, disproportionately as a result of this week. I think I, I think I agree with that. Although I suppose um, the, the ones to watch, as ever, are the DUP, right? Because um, it's hard to see how an election happens, um, at least against the government's will, without them deciding to vote against the government explicitly. Um, there's a weird quirk in the um, parliamentary math that I um, I was talking to a friend about the other day, where the government, uh, well, sorry, the Conservatives have 317 seats. I think the opposition have about 315, and the DUP are sort of uh, the kingmakers. So I, I don't think people can correct me. I don't think abstaining on a vote of no confidence is enough. I think the DUP have to actively um, vote against. I think it's to do with speakers and Sinn Fein and uh, sort of all the rest of it. So um, we'll have to wait and see in what they do. Uh, well, I mean, one other major thing on vote of no confidence is that the Lib Dems have now said that they're not going to um, vote against the government in future votes of no confidence because they, I think, understandably feel like this is part of Labour's tactic for delaying support for a second referendum. So um, uh, they essentially don't want to be, as as they see it, complicit in um, in sort of Labour internal politics. Well, if I that 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 is an interesting strategy. It feels like it needs support from Plaid and the SNP and so on as well. All, I mean, Labour MPs aren't going to do it, but if all the sort of pro-second referendum non-Labour parties got together and said, hey, hey, Jeremy Corbyn, you need to back a second referendum or we're not going to bring the government down, I don't quite know how that would all play out um, or even if the public would notice so much. Uh, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but it certainly would uh, create a, another dilemma for the Labour leader. Um, but don't forget, uh, Margaret Thatcher in 1979 t- t- took a few attempts, but she did get her vote of no confidence through. So um, 
we'll have to wait and see whether uh, um, Corbyn can manage it. But, um, you know, it certainly feels like he's going to try again and uh, we're, we're, we're getting closer to a general election. Um, I wanted to finish this week's podcast um, on a very specific polling matters point, which I was going to bring up earlier, but I thought I'd leave it to the uh, the end, which is on this idea of a general election. Um, something I've noticed a lot of MPs say in the House of Commons, I've seen Anna Subri say this, I think there are others on other podcasts and things, is that the Tories are five or six points ahead in the polls. And to put the sort of ped in pedant, as it were, um, that's not, that is true to some extent. It's true that YouGov have the Tories sort of four or five, six points ahead in the opinion polls, but actually they're a bit out on their own in that. Um, I'm not making a judgment here and now on whether it's right or wrong, but if you look at um, the polls since November, only one pollster that isn't YouGov, that's uh, TNS, I believe, have had the Tories ahead. Everybody else, and TNS, by the way, have since, since in their most recent poll, have Labour ahead. Uh, I think it's two or three points. Um, seven other pollsters either have the race, the horse race neck and neck or Labour slightly ahead. Um, so I think this idea that the Tories are ahead in the polls is something we really need to um, nip in the bud a bit. Yes, it's true with YouGov. But there are the world is bigger than YouGov, and there are lots of other pollsters out there who don't agree. And I think that what what's happening is because YouGov produce polling more often, um, which is entirely their prerogative, of course, their view of the world is taking a sort of almost disproportionate precedence um, to others. So I think it's um, it's worth pointing out very clearly that whoever's right or wrong is a different question. But the idea that the Tories are ahead in the polls is because of YouGov, um, not necessarily a consensus among pollsters. And I think that's quite an important point. Yeah, and this was really interesting. I honestly hadn't, I was sort of broadly aware of it, but I hadn't seen the depths of it until you mentioned this. And I think it is really striking. And I think it's really striking how much the debate is getting it wrong um, and how big this gap is. I mean, it's worth emphasizing that if you just look at polls in January, the um, the three YouGov polls, at least the ones I'm looking at, are all five or six points ahead for the Tories. All the other polls are between a tie and three points together ahead for for Labour. So it's really a, a big difference here. And I think just the sort of sheer weight of polling from YouGov is giving a very misleading impression. If you weighted each pollster equally, then the landscape does look different. I mean, look, I would still want to sort of make the point that an opposition at this stage in the parliament uh, traditionally needs to be double digit ahead if it's to go on and win the next general election. Uh, oppositions that are only tied or only slightly ahead have almost always gone on to lose the next election quite badly. So we're, there's an element of dancing on pins here of are the Tories a few points up or is it is it tied that generally over the course of a parliament makes a big difference. But of course, that's with the assumption that we still got two or three years to run. If there's mm. an election in a couple of months time, then perhaps these questions do make more difference. Yeah. And I think that any any Tories, that th- Tory MPs that are thinking, oh, well, don't if an election comes, doesn't matter. We're ahead anyway. So we'll just win that. And that's fine. I mean, maybe they will. Again, look, may, maybe they will. Um, I'm not passing judgment on that, but I think it's a lot more uncertain than maybe some people think it is. Um, and for all the reasons I gave earlier around domestic policy and May's ability to campaign in the general election versus Corbyn's, I mean, you know, I, I would be cautious if I was a conservative, M- conservative MP 
thinking about a general election. Um, one of the questions that's come up is, um, you know, why is this this gap there? And I think that we're going to be looking at this in more detail in the coming weeks. It's quite tricky to pick one reason um, because every pollster has slightly different ways of calculating the numbers and there's a lot of secret source that goes into sampling and stuff like that. So I don't think there's one smoking gun. But one thing I've noticed uh, by looking at um, Servation, YouGov, Comres, Ipsos, uh, those four pollsters uh, today is that YouGov tend to have essentially Labour holding less of their 2017 vote uh, than all of the others pretty much. I mean I won't go through all the numbers today uh, it's probably more of a blog post than an audio uh, discussion um, but so YouGov seem to suggest that Labour are losing more of their votes uh, from 2017 and there are reasons for that you know to do with Brexit and to do with the Lib Dems and so on and uh, who's right and wrong we'll, I guess we'll find out later. Um, pollsters may very well converge in a general election campaign of course not for malicious no. reasons no 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 not for malicious reasons but just you know the nature of how don't know the don't knows reduce um it's about one in five uh one in five one in six don't know at the moment uh in the polls now they get excluded um usually <coughs> from um but not always from opinion polls so as the don't knows reduce in an election campaign you know maybe that it all comes out in the wash but I just think it's really important that people that look at the polls realise that there is no uh, clear consensus among pollsters as to what's happening. Anyway, uh, that's well, let's leave it there, Leo. Um, that's all we've got time for this week's uh, Political Betting Polling Matters podcast. If you like what you hear, please do share us on social media as usual or give us a positive rating or, or comment on iTunes or other podcast apps. Help share the uh, knowledge of the podcast, which we very much appreciate. But I'm sure we'll be revisiting a lot of these topics in the coming weeks. But for now, thanks for listening and have a great weekend.